There, it's Gary Parrish. It's Wednesday, April 19th. Welcome back to the Iron College Basketball Podcast. I got Matt Norlander here with me, and a lot has happened since we last talked. Jordan Bell uh, is entering the NBA draft with an agent. He announced that on Twitter. So Oregon's losing Dylan Brooks, Tyler Dorsey, Jordan Bell, early to the NBA draft, plus Chris Boucher, plus Dylan Ennis. Uh, a little bit of a rebuild situation for Dana Altman at Oregon. Meantime, Nigel Williams-Goss has announced that he is also... Entering the NBA draft, he will have representation. His college career is over. Tough news for Gonzaga, uh, but sensible uh, sensible decision for Nigel Williams-Goss. We'll get into that a little later on, but let's start with what I think is the biggest news uh, over the past week of the NBA draft decisions, and that's that Grayson Allen uh, is going to return to Duke for his senior year. He announced it yesterday. Uh, that's great for the Blue Devils, and I also think really good for college basketball. And I know you touched on this on Twitter, Norlander, and I think you and I are on the same page here. Um, There are a lot of issues that uh, college basketball faces. Among the biggest, in my opinion, and we've talked about this before, is the lack of familiarity with uh, the important figures in the sport. Everybody knows the coaches, but on a year-to-year basis, uh, unlike any other sport in America, mainstream sport in America, uh, the the turnover uh, among the elite players is so rapid that you don't the casual sports fan doesn't know who's who. Like if I put together a preseason All American team right now, there would be somebody on it who like my buddies who are sports fans don't know anything about. And the reason is because in college basketball, the best players tend to to be gone uh, shortly after they establish themselves as the best players. Meantime, Grayson Allen is super famous. Like, you don't have to be a college basketball fan to know who he is. And it's not all because of his basketball ability, obviously. Some of it has to do with the uh, tripping controversy, um, as it was. But he is a recognizable face. He's a recognizable name. And the more of those we have in college basketball heading into a season, I think is a good thing for college basketball. So I thought the announcement yesterday was good for Duke, uh, sensible for Grayson, uh, but also good for college basketball in general because – uh, we at least have somebody entering the season uh, that the average sports fan, you know, could pick out of a lineup. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I just felt compelled to write a few things about Grace, and I think I'm going to post that on Wednesday at some point, and it'll touch on this. Uh, so, if you listen to the podcast Wednesday night or Thursday or Friday, it's up well by now. Uh, be sure to give it a read. But yeah, Grayson Allen's level of fame. I, I asked on Twitter, you know, when was the last time we had a player returning to college basketball that was as famous as Grayson Allen is right now? Uh, the most popular answer was Tyler Hansbrough. I would say the last person that was truly this well-known was J.J. Redick. I mean, Hansbrough was extremely well-known. Um, Grayson Allen is at another level. The, the media coverage in 2017 is different than it was in 2009 when Hansborough was entering a senior season. But Hansborough is definitely certainly the closest thing since. I think um, Hansborough is the answer. Yeah, I, I, he's definitely the closest thing. I mean, Hansborough was very, very well known. I mean, I, I have people in my life that don't follow sports that know the name and face of Grayson Allen. His, his level of, of either fame or infamy, if you want to even look at it that way, is undeniable. I mean, Grayson Allen... 
I was sitting over this past season having dinner with my wife, and we'd have the nightly news on, and Grayson Allen would have a segment dedicated to him on the national nightly news. I don't, sure. I don't think that ever happened with Tyler Hansbrough. No. It's insane. Um, so because of that, listen, if if general discussion is good for college basketball, no matter the content, generally speaking – um, like there's general discussion about Aaron Hernandez right now, and that's not good for the NFL that a, a former player is now was found dead in his prison cell and all that stuff. But, you know, Allen, for all that he brings, that's good for Duke and the controversy as well. Um, listen, it's, it's definitely beneficial to college basketball that he's returning. I, you cannot argue otherwise. Um, and the fact that he's returning to, you know, the most polarizing program in the sport is also – a big time deal. Now, real quick here, for Allen to come back, I mean, he knows what he's going to be walking back into. I have to believe, and I never asked him this point blank, face to face, but I really have to believe that the, the the past six months have been, in many ways, the worst of his entire life. I mean, really, with everything that he put himself through, and a lot of it uh, to his own detriment. I mean, as bad as it was for him as a sophomore, um, when he developed a reputation for having tripping for tripping people because there were multiple incidents, it obviously it, it hit an entirely different level this past season. And so he knows going into next season, he knows this. He knows that he will be a major focal point, if not the focal point, the biggest storyline heading into next season, playing for Duke. It's also a a largely a new roster like a lot of the guys that made a difference on last year's team gp are going to be gone maybe that plays into him wanting to come back maybe he thinks that he'll be able to have more consistency and statistical impact closer to his breakout sophomore season than the up and down nature of what he did this past season but i do wonder if ultimately this came down to he wasn't going to be a first round pick and then the amount of certainty there was that he would be a second-round pick was so ambiguous to the point where he thought, you know what, like, why not go back? If, if he truly enjoys college, and that also could be, like, you know, within the confines of, of being a Duke student on that campus, he's not dealing with that kind of stuff. Um, maybe he truly enjoys that, Gary, and thinks next year's draft is weaker, and if I have another awesome, awesome season... Maybe I go from an iffy 40 to 60 pick to a likely 20 to 40 pick. There's certainly that possibility as well. I think it's a fascinating choice. We talked about this on the podcast a few weeks ago. My inclination would have been that he should have gone, but that gets removed if he got enough information back that said, listen, you have zero guarantees that you'll be a top 45 pick. So if that's the case and it's weaker draft next year and you can handle what's coming to you because there's going to be a lot coming to him, um, then it's the right call, but ultimately it gives us plenty to talk about. And uh, I, you know, I, I guess I'm excited to, to have him back, but at the same time, like Grayson Allen coverage can get so exhausting for us and for people that have to listen to it. I get that, but the bottom line is he is a really good player, and we will have to put him under consideration to be a first-team All-American heading into next season. Well, he was most people's preseason national player of the year last season. Obviously, things didn't go well. He had um, not his worst I think you could argue his worst season as a college basketball player because his freshman year, he didn't do much, but he wasn't asked to do much. Um, his sophomore year, he was tremendous. His junior year, he was supposed to be 
uh, the best player on the best team in the country. Uh, he was not the best player on his team, and his team was not the best team in the country. So, yeah, I think you could say it was uh, his most disappointing year of college. Add to it uh, the controversy, sus- uh, suspension, all of that. He became super famous, uh, not for all of the wrong reasons, but for some of the wrong reasons. Um, to me, this is this makes a lot of sense no matter uh, from which perspective you look at it. Um, a, his NBA draft stock, you know, if you will, has never been lower than it is right now. Now, I heard some people on Twitter saying, well, of course he's coming back to school. Where was he going? He could be in the NBA next year if he wanted to be. Like, like Grayson Allen was going to get picked. And though it is true that if you're not selected in the first round, you are guaranteed nothing. I did a study on this a couple years ago, and I don't believe the data has changed in any meaningful way. Uh, American college players who are selected in the second round almost always get a contract from an NBA team. It, it, you know, it, they almost always get signed to a contract. It just it just happens. And so Grayson Allen would have been picked in the second round, probably. He would have signed a guaranteed contract with an NBA team. And then he would have either been sent to the D-League or, my guess, been, you know, toward the back end of a roster somewhere. So he had options. Anybody suggesting otherwise is just being silly. Um, but if you can come back for your senior year, have the type of year that you're ability clearly suggests you're capable of um avoid any sort of tripping incident as silly as that sounds and by the way um if if there is a funny joke about grayson allen tripping we've heard it already all right we would have we would have we'd have got to it in december so like when we tweet yesterday that grayson allen's coming back to duke it's just this slew of tripping comments joke like people trying to be you're not funny like, I didn't read a single funny one. If there was a funny one to be made, it was made months ago. Um, I'm not saying you got to let it go. I'm just saying if your goal is to try to make somebody laugh with a tripping comment as it relates to Grayson Allen, you, you're probably going to uh, swing and miss. And, and by the way, it's not like he raped somebody. You know, we talk about him like he's this evil <laughs> young man. Like, he didn't get accused of domestic violence. He, he doesn't appear to have a drug problem. Um, he tripped somebody. Multiple times on a basketball court. I'm not here to defend it. It's it's stupid. And and it's something for which he should have been punished. But like when we start talking about Grayson Allen's, I, I felt a little silly, like writing about him, like became one of the most controversial players in college basketball, which is true, by the way. But like, think about it. We had college basketball players in jail, college basketball players um, failing drug tests, including like significant college basketball players who helped lead teams deep into the NCAA tournament. Like there's a whole lot of stuff going on in college basketball. And the idea that the, the, the kid who tripped somebody multiple times and had a meltdown on the sideline became one of the most controversial figures in college basketball, kind of weird, but, but whatever my, my point is uh, if you can come back and play to your ability and avoid the controversy, then your draft stock is higher in a weaker draft. Like, like he'll get selected in 2018 at a place where he would not have been selected in 2017 simply because Markel Fultz and a slew of other one-and-done elite-level freshmen aren't going to be in the 2018 draft because they're in this draft. Um, so it's probably financially sensible to, to, to put off the draft for a year. And then also, like, what do you want your legacy to be? Right now, if you leave Duke after this season – 
The last thing anybody remembers about you is that you were on. You were supposed to be the national player of the year. You weren't even an All American. I don't even know that he was All Conference. Um, you weren't the best player on your team. Um, you were suspended, and and became a an internet meme, and that's what people associate with you forever. Like he could be playing for the Denver Nuggets in 2024, and somebody would make a tripping joke. Like you have an opportunity to come back to school and erase that. And maybe not erase it, but certainly diminish it. Be remembered for something else. Like maybe go out and be the national player of the year. Maybe go out and lead Duke to an ACC title. Maybe go out and win a national championship or go to a Final Four. Um, then you're a two-time national champion if you can do that. And uh, the way you're remembered as a college player is completely different. And you enhance your draft stock and get into a weaker draft. So I, I actually wasn't surprised that that this is what he decided to do. Because if I were him, I, I believe this is what I would have decided to do as well. I, I wonder, I just wonder how, you know, October through the first few weeks of the season are going to go for grace and next year. Um, he's not someone worthy of a redemption story. Like, honestly, can we can we agree both right now to agree not to write that story? Like I don't even I know I don't, I don't know I don't I don't even know what he has to redeem himself from. I mean he, he tripped somebody. I know. <laughs> like it's just a well because it's the perfect mix of he's a white guy at Duke with a weird haircut who acts like a child when things don't go his way on the floor and happens to trip people. It's just the perfect storm. You could not concoct in a lab a more hateable college <laughs> basketball player than that formula. It just it is, and like I got no problems with Grayson. Like when you no, like him, a more hateable, a, a more hateable, a more hateable version would be white college basketball player at Duke with a, a goofy haircut, who has meltdowns on the sidelines and is also accused of sexual assault. I mean, he trips somebody. He trips somebody. Right, and, but I, he does just enough to not get kicked off the team, so we keep keep seeing. Him. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, and when you when you interview Grayson, uh, he's he's much more. Uh, quiet can be thoughtful. It, it, it very much is a thing where sometimes when he gets frustrated on the floor and when he plays, it, he can be a little bit of a different uh, different person altogether. Um, for Duke GP, uh, I'll be. I mean, listen, Frank Jackson's coming back as he should. Marquise Bolden will be in the mix. He was barely a factor this past season, and then otherwise, it's going to be a completely different team. Now we still have to see what Duke's going to get. And I guess we'll save this discussion more for once Duke's class is fully, you know, place in place. Like, you know, if Trayvon Duvall is going to be in the mix, if Kevin Knox is going to be in the mix, who they're going to get. Um, Duke is a t top 10 team heading into next season overall. Um, but, man, the, the thing that might have hurt Duke from a basketball perspective this past season the most was something that everyone discussed. Was there, you know, just lacking a true point guard. So can they... Can they ensnare Duval to be the point guard? And if they can't or don't, um, will it again be a situation where Grayson is the quasi point guard and Frank Jackson, who's really a two but can play some point if needed? Um, I just wonder how those pieces will fit next year uh, altogether because they're two really, really good players. And I don't know. I, I, I was just a little surprised, not a lot surprised, a little surprised because. As intense as it was on Grayson Allen this year, it's just going to be more of the same. And do you want to put yourself through that? And are you ready to put yourself through that? 
because it's coming. I mean, it, it's it's obviously something that he has to have found some peace with. Um, I have to presume he had extensive conversations with his parents and and coaches and all that. So, hey, it's 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 good for us, but it does present something we just we have not seen in a long time. We just have not entered a season where college basketball has has one of the ten most famous. Or 15 most famous athletes, and I don't think that's an exaggeration. I would think I would say 10. Like everybody knows the name Grayson Allen. My mother knows the name Grayson Allen. She it, knows what he's about and all that stuff. So it's uh, it is funny. Like he he really def- might he really might be one of the most famous athletes in this country. Yes, and that's almost never the case with a college basketball almost player. It has not been the case in years and years and years. But it will be the case with Duke next season and. Uh, Duke won't be a preseason. It, they won't be what they were last year. Last year, they were the consensus number one team. They will not be seen as a top five team, barring some huge recruiting coups. I don't even think I'd put in their GP no matter who they get. I don't even think, any, like, even if they got everyone conceivable, I still like our top five that we have over Duke. So even then, my point is, they won't be seen as a national title front runner, but they still will have the most well known player by far in the sport. And obviously, coverage won't be short on them whatsoever. Uh, I am I am generally fascinated by the Grayson Allen thing. We'll see where it goes and what happens next season. I just hope it's it's less of the same of what we had, you know, through a lot of this past year. The plan I can tell you uh, for Duke is to get Duvall and then run out a starting lineup that features Duvall, Frank Frank Jackson, and Grayson Allen. Like basically play three guards, and you know, yeah, obviously you can get away with that. Um, in college basketball, you can flourish uh, doing that in college basketball, and that would be a pretty strong place to start with those three guys uh, in your backcourt. So I think they're meeting with the Vol, like maybe today, but they're trying to get all of that all of that wrapped up. I would imagine the Frank Jackson. He's an awesome player, by the way. Oh yeah, Vol is awesome. Oh yeah. So I mean, I'm way in on him. Very, like in on him being a, a an NBA All Star. Like I think he would be tremendous if they get him. Um, it it greatly increases, I think, Grayson's chances of being a very, very good player next year and Duke's overall chances of, of being in the thick of the title. Well, that is the other thing. Like, how much of Grayson's struggles – well, first off, like, Luke Kennard developed into something nobody anticipated. And so that – a lot of the stuff that you might have been running for Grayson once upon a time was now being run for Luke Kennard. That's going to – take away from your numbers but he also shot lower percentages than he was supposed to shoot he wasn't good I'm not pretending otherwise but how much of him not being good was a, some sort of combination of Luke Kennard being great and um, they were asking him to do things that he probably shouldn't be doing you know like uh, you know he he was asked to run a team in certain spots when that is not what he's best equipped to do he can do it but you know what what Grayson Allen ought to be um, at the college level is 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 a scorer uh, a, a, a top shelf athlete who who just scores, 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 and if you get Duvall and let him run the team, then Grayson can get back to doing what it is he's more comfortable doing and and better at doing. Um, I, I think Duvall would be big for Duke, but it would also be uh, big for Grayson Allen. Let's move on. I mentioned Nigel Williams Goss uh, is returning to, I mean, is is not returning to Gonzaga. He's going to enter the draft with representation. Some people looked at this decision and said, what is he doing? Because he's not a first-round draft pick. Um, there's no guarantee that he will end up in the NBA. But you have to understand with, with Williams Scott, and I, I hear that, I understand it. Selfishly, I would have liked to have seen him back at Gonzaga because he could have been preseason national player of the year and maybe tried to, to take the Zags to another Final Four. 
Um, but he's already graduated. He's been in school four years already. Um, you, I never mind, and we talked about this in the last podcast, so I won't make the same points over and over again. But I never mind it when when guys say, "Okay, I've got my degree. Um, I'm comfortable making a paycheck wherever I make a paycheck. If it's the NBA, great, dream come true." If it's overseas or in the D-League, whatever. But, like, what is the point in coming back to school? I've graduated. I've accomplished some great things. It's time to go earn a paycheck playing this sport. Rather than making universities wealthier and basketball coaches wealthier, like, I'm going to go get somebody to, to put a direct deposit into my bank account for dribbling a basketball. Like, is, I don't think Nigel Williams-Goss is operating under the assumption he's going to be a lottery pick. I don't think he goes into this with his eyes closed. He knows what the likely outcome of draft night is. And if he's comfortable with that, uh, I wish him all the luck in the world. He, he's he got to go. Listen, he, he, had, he had previously debated um, leaving and opted to come back. Obviously, his stock was better for it. He ends on a great run in the tournament. I mean, 20 against Northwestern. Uh, did struggle. I just brought up his page here real quick. He had 10, 7, and 2, but he also had three steals against West Virginia. That was his only iffy game. Uh, it was only 2 of 10 from the field. But had 23 against Xavier, had 23 against South Carolina, had 15, 9, and 6 against UNC, and then obviously had the, the late ankle tweak. He had an ankle tweak in both of those games. Um, he should go. If he had returned, I would have pushed for him to be the preseason national player of the year because I think that he has the ability and Gonzaga would have had enough around him and had a good chance at being a two or three seed with him back. Uh, I think I would have picked him, but he leaves. I think it's the right move. Uh, I don't think that you can have much higher stock at this point for right or for wrong. Age would be a factor. He is 22 already. I mean, you come back, you're just as good of a player, but you're one year older. Uh, that will kind of hold you back in the eyes of some Real quick on Williams Goss, GP. I this has been this is the guy who's kind of been around forever. I mean, I remember like my first year at CBS, the 2010-2011 season when he was a prospect and he was at Finley Prep and he was seen as like a top five kid in his class. And I've just have kind of followed him for so long. Um, it's kind of crazy that he could have even still played one more year of college basketball. I mean, he's just been kind of around the college basketball conversation for so, so long because he was identified as such a high-level prospect so young and so early and was uh, was a prominent prep player and then obviously went to Washington and had to sit out after going uh, before going to Gonzaga and having that redshirt year. So Gonzaga gets dinged a little bit here, obviously. To me, it would have been... Uh, not a long shot, but it would have been something short of a Final Four hopeful with him on the roster. And now with him not there, I, I think Gonzaga is a top 20 team. But a team that would need to, and this is broad projection here, but seeing what Gonzaga will bring back next year and losing its all-around playmaker, it would need to have the right breaks fall its way to make a Final Four for a second straight year. And that's fine, by the way. They're still going to be a really good team. They'll get some good push from St. Mary's. And BYU, I think, should should be better in that league. So maybe we'll have some solid drama in the WCC next year as opposed to this past season. But Williams-Goss did as much as you really could have asked from him this past season, was a fantastic player. Good on him, man. 
you know, if you're gonna, if you want to go play overseas for 12, 15 years, and that's what it is, and you wind up being a multimillionaire because of it, there's no shame in that whatsoever. But he could get an NBA look. I'm not sure that he is. I'm not sure he's an NBA player, but it wouldn't shock me either. I, I think that he does have the acumen overall. Um, but it, but it's a wait and see. He made the right call in, in declaring to go. I dropped Gonzaga down to 18th in the top 25 and one last night. I, you know, who, uh, it's all subjective, obviously. But keep in mind, um, they have flourished in the transfer market, um, and they probably will again. I know that they're in with Markel Crawford, uh, the transfer out of Memphis, who averaged uh, 12.2 points per game last year. He was uh, Memphis's second or third best player, depending on what you think of KJ Lawson. And I, I know Gonzaga has has been in contact. I know he's um, he likes the idea of of Gonzaga. He's watched other transfers uh, do good things there. Jordan Matthews being the latest. Jonathan Williams, who is from Memphis, is obviously still at Gonzaga. He and Markel know each other. So uh, my point is, Gonzaga's going to add pieces to next year's team. Uh, so there's a chance that they could uh, be even better than what their roster suggests they might be. Uh, right now, as, it, um, as for Nigel Williams-Goss, I would say, as we're running through his resume, enrolls at one school, transfers to another, sits out, flourishes in his final year of college. You know who it reminds me of? Oh, boy. I mean, it's sort of... I have an idea. It's it, it, it sort of... Shout out to Devin Downey. It sounds like Devin Downey's career a little bit. Starts at... At, at uh, Cincinnati, sits out a year, transfers to South Carolina. I don't know if you know this, but went bananas, led South Carolina to a victory over John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins, Eric Bledsoe, and the top-ranked Kentucky Wildcats. So shouts to Devin Downey, shouts to Chester, South Carolina, shouts to Terry Teagle. I mean, what's with the Terry Teagle thing? I've had people ask me this, like, you're trying to make like you're trying to sit Terry Teagle at the same table as Devin Downey. I, I, I just don't know. Like Terry Teagle never gets shouted out I don't know if he's in every. I don't know if he's in every episode name. That's all I'm saying. You feel like Terry Teagle doesn't belong in every episode. He was a second team I'm All American for the Baylor Bears. I'm saying there's been some discussion. There's been some chatter. When did Terry Teagle suddenly get invited into this club where he is? Uh, he's created the triumvirate. With uh, with Devin Downey in Chester, South Carolina. That's all. That's all I'm saying. I'm, if you want to keep up with it, you can. I'm just I'm just saying maybe a little less Terry Teagle goes a lot further because you know that's, that's all I'm saying. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to MF and Terry Teagle. Second team All American for the Baylor Bears. Norlander, Jesus Christ. Okay. It's the second team All American for the Baylor Bears. The the only person who's done that the only person who's done that since Terry Teagle is Jonathan Motley. Do you understand what no. we're talking? Really? Yes. That's how I first found. That's how I discovered Terry Teagle because I was looking. No lace Darius. No lace Darius. No. I know that I remember. Hon- that. Honorable mention. The way I discovered Terry Teagle, who we first thought his name was Terry Teague. The way I discovered Terry Teagle. Right. The way I discovered Terry Teagle is I was trying to say like when's the last time because it looked like Motley might be a first team second team All American. And I was like, when's the last time Baylor had a first-team, second-team All-American? I had to go all the way back to Terry Teagle, the great Terry Teagle. That's true. Shout out to Terry Teagle. <laughs> that's how, we have a story behind how we discovered Devin Downey, and another, and that's the story of how we discovered Terry Teagle. Shout out and to Terry Teagle. At some point before 2017's out, we'll discover another random, uh, but it has to come organically. Right. I occasionally, get these, I occasionally get these messages that we need to shout out these 
these people. And I'm like, it doesn't work like doesn't that. Doesn't work. You that's, can't that's, be campaigning for these for these guys. That's, yeah. that's not, the, yeah, it's got to happen organically. You're exactly right. Before we get out of here, um, big NCAA news. They announced yesterday uh, future sites for first and second round NCAA tournament uh, games, uh, Sweet 16 and Elite 8 games. And uh, the big takeaway from it is that they are returning to North Carolina. Um, I know the ACLU, ACLU and uh, other organizations have uh, criticized the NCAA for this decision. For folks who aren't familiar with the backstory, you wrote about this. Catch them up on the NCAA's decision to remove itself from North Carolina and what prompted it to go back into North Carolina. All right, I'll make this relatively quick here. So the day of the title game or the day after the title game, I can't remember which day it was. I believe it was April 4th. The NCAA announces that the language that has been changed within North Carolina's um, legislative law that was previously House Bill 2 and is now House Bill 142 uh, is sufficient enough to allow the NCAA to change its stance on having any sanctioned postseason events in any sport uh, within the state of North Carolina's borders. This brings... Uh, from what I could gather, a little bit of blowback on the day of, but again, the t- the timing was obviously not coincidental. Um, a lot of us were busy with other matters uh, regarding the national championship game in the second biggest uh, collegiate sport in this country and in the world. So, then comes Tuesday, April 18th, and the NCAA announces all these sites for the basically through 2022. We now know where the first, second rounds. Sweet 16 Elite Eight Final Fours. We know every single NCAA tournament site up until 2022. And with this, Charlotte maintains its hosting uh, status as a regional for next year. It was previously potentially on the chopping block, uh, just as North Carolina and Greensboro lost the first weekend this past season and Greenville, South Carolina earned it. And we also have Greensboro hosting uh, first weekend site in 2020 and then Raleigh in 2021. Well, promptly because of this, you have the American Civil Liberties Union um, and the Human Rights Campaign both immediately putting out statements that are denouncing this because ultimately, and we do not have to get totally bogged down by this, all the details here, but the essence is that House Bill 142 in the state of North Carolina is still not eradicating the possibility that publicly funded state-run businesses and entities could still potentially discriminate against transgender people by prohibiting them from using the bathroom of the sex that they identify with. Now, it's not as strict as it previously was, but the bottom line here is that there are still many, many uh, institutions around the country that are that are holding firm on travel bans for business to the state of North Carolina because they believe that this law is still discriminatory. And the NCAA, however, no longer believes this. And so this has prompted uh, immediate and harsh criticism. There have been Freedom of Information Act requests, and that basically means the NCAA went through a process here to give all these cities and all these sites these bids. And with that, the NCAA has a set of certain guidelines, and it has a questionnaire that, that is handed out that uh, potential cities and representatives from those cities have to fill out indicating, okay, are you uh, void of any and all potential um, discrimination in any kind of way 
because if you are, we will consider you. If you're not, we won't. So it remains to be seen if the NCAA, and I'm not saying it didn't, I'm just saying the that an FOIA request has been sent out by multiple organizations to just be the check and balance here to see if the NCAA did its due diligence. Ultimately, I do feel as though this issue is something that is, one, important, two, a lot of people don't care about, but three, just because a lot of people don't care about it doesn't mean that it's not important. So the NCAA has been firm on a lot of these matters in the past, GP. Now it seems a little bit of action went just far enough for the NCAA to say, okay, we know that we can sell out these arenas in North Carolina. Um, We've been there so many times. I mean, basically for almost every single year over the past 25 years, the NCAA tournament as either a first weekend or a second weekend site in that state. And now it seems to have offered a little bit more leniency. Uh, activist groups are really pushing against this because it, you don't want it to have a situation where particular states' legislation allows for uh, laws that can be discriminatory to any L- LGBTQ kind of group. So that's the basis of it. Um, I, I don't know if it will go anywhere beyond this or not. Um, I'm not totally surprised by this move by the NCAA. It was applauded previously for making a stand. This is a little weak, honestly, for them to do this, but I can't say that I'm surprised. I'm not surprised. The NCAA has forever chased money. This seems like another obvious way to do that. Uh, Let me ask you a simple question. Is there still a discriminatory law on the books in North Carolina? Yes. Then why, then why are you going back to North Carolina? It has to be, and it has to be yes or no. If it has to be a yes or no question, the, ha- the answer has to be yes. That is my understanding as well. Uh, reading as much as I've read about it, talking to people who understand this far better than I, um, yes, there has been some change to HB2. Um, the law that's on the books now is not the same law that was on the books when uh, the NCAA first removed itself from North Carolina, but there is still a discriminatory law on the books in North Carolina and if that's the case, why are you going back to North Carolina? I understand. I, I, please, I understand that not everybody was in agreement with the, with the NCAA pulling out of North Carolina to begin with. It wasn't like 100% of Americans said, yay, NCAA, you're doing the right thing. There were a, a significant portion of Americans who said, like, like, stay out of this. Like, you know, just... You're 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 making a mistake. You're trying to be too politically correct. Blah 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 blah. I was on record uh, saying I I thought it was the right thing for for the NCAA to do. I applauded them. And so if I'm going to applaud them for pulling out of North Carolina because there's a discriminatory law on the books, then I have to boo them uh, for for going back to North Carolina when there's still a discriminatory law on the books. It seems like I, I don't. I'm not suggesting they cut a deal, but it seems like they were just uh, basically waiting on North Carolina to do anything so that they could give them an excuse to go back uh, to that state where they've held events forever. And uh, I'll just uh, I'll echo what you said. It seems pretty weak to me. Like if you're going to if you're going to take a stand, uh, then stick with it. Don't don't wait for an opportunity to to reverse course. Um especially when you're not given an actual opportunity to reverse course. If there's still a discriminatory law on the books in North Carolina, and the reason you pulled out of North Carolina to begin with was because of a discriminatory law on the books, you shouldn't be going back to North Carolina. I thought that was a, a pretty uh, an unsurprising uh, but also disappointing decision by the NCAA yesterday. And Yeah, I have one quick thing to add here. So I also wonder, this is not, I'm not defending the NCAA here, 
and they should be held accountable going forward. I wonder if any conversations were had in regard to these decisions, GP, that basically went like this. All right. By this time next year or at the latest 2020, will these laws even still be in effect? And if they're not going to be in effect, then, you know, we'll have moved past it. They'll be able to be held here and this will have all been something in the past. There's no guarantee that's going to be the case. And two, even if that does happen, it doesn't excuse you from basically walking back your previous stance. I just generally wonder if that kind of thinking also factored into these decisions on top of uh, the obvious economic thing. But I'll also say real quick here, you know, elsewhere, like I love the diversity of sites. I love the NCAA always going to places it hasn't been to in decades. I think that's really great. Um, I don't believe that the NCAA has to think that it has to put the tournament in North Carolina in order to have the best economic outcome. I think that there are plenty of options it could have gone to and it still would have basically been the same not to mention that the majority of all this stuff that the NCAA is getting money wise comes from, from TV. CBS and Turner right exactly I mean that's the majority of it so um, when you look at it that way what's the real benefit here I don't fully understand it um, look no further than the fact that Columbia South Carolina is now finally going to get host a tournament game well by the time it does it will be have been almost 50 years and a big reason for that gap uh, particularly the back end of it is that the confederate flag was flying at the state house and the end said until that comes down we're never hosting a postseason event of any kind in this state it finally has and now columbia gets it you could have held true there you didn't um and just because or just if this law entirely gets eradicated in the next election cycle or whatever it doesn't absolve you from the decision you made here Remember, you can subscribe to the Ion College Basketball Podcast on iTunes. That's the best way to get the latest episodes as quickly as possible. So please do that. Uh, Thanks for listening. We will talk to you again next week. Till then, take care.